This is a story about a sitting United States congressman who owns a building that is rented for years now, office space, to a massage parlor that has been advertising on websites that are known by law enforcement to promote illicit sex. That's the story. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. Bill, you're knocking it out of the park. You're kind of a celebrity and you're getting all the big celebrity interviews. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm just, I live a really interesting life and I'm so fortunate being in the Republican Party leadership, I get to meet a lot of really interesting and exciting people. And uh, and today's guest is just another example of that. Certainly an influential person. Please welcome to the Fact Check Podcast, Derek Van Orden, retired Navy SEAL, senior chief, small business owner, and current Republican candidate for the 3rd District. We're so glad to have you with us today. Well, it's great to be here on a rainy lacrosse afternoon. So, Derek... Um, of course, I know a lot about you because uh, I got to be there and watch up close and personal your campaign for Congress last year. And one of the things uh, that you, that I learned about you that I found really interesting is the fact that uh, you grew up in rural poverty uh, with a single mom. And uh, so what are some of the lessons that you learned from, from starting out life in, in, that, in that way? Um, it's kind of funny. My parents were married uh, when I was born, which I think actually disqualifies me for politics. But sorry, that's a joke. <laughs> we uh, gotcha. They were divorced before I remember them being married. And uh, we had to move in with my mother in southwestern Minnesota. Uh, and when I see rural poverty, I mean the two pairs of socks, two Wonder Bread, two Wonder Bread bags, and then galoshes. Those were our, our winter boots. I mean, we were on welfare for a period of time, but what I learned was that from my mother, Ma, this, uh, Carol Ann Mulligan, that was her maiden name, and uh, the family joke is she's five foot nothing and harder than woodpecker lips. And she taught us some really important lessons. And the first one is there's always room for one more at the table. I thought that was great, even mm-hmm. though we really had nothing. And the second one was that you got to take care of people. And those lessons have carried my brother and I throughout life. And uh, Carol worked very, very hard. Ma did. And to provide for us. And so she showed us that it doesn't really matter where you start. Um, you can get anywhere you want to as long as you apply yourself hard enough. And that's something that we want collectively as a society, particularly identify with the Republican Party. So we want people to be able to rise to the level of their abilities and, and to their drive without, that is, without being hampered by anything else. That is a beautiful thought. And uh, your wife, Sarah, how did you come to meet Sarah and well, Tell us about that. Sarah Jane uh, was a nurse, a civilian nurse, and my buddy Jay and I um, were working at the Naval Hospital in San Diego, California. And we ran into each other, started talking. I invited her to my graduation from hospital core school. That's a medic for people that aren't familiar with uh, Navy terms. And she came to my uh, graduation. We started dating. Our first date was to uh, First Presbyterian Church in downtown San Diego, which was kind of a thing for me I, I had no religious affiliation at that point i was raised in nominal really a cultural catholic but uh i came to christ actually through my wife interestingly enough we got married and uh when we were having our, our second child uh we sat down and talked about this and realized how incredibly important faith is i saw it in her um it's kind of a strange thing and i realized she was the person that i trusted more than any other human being on the earth and if this was so important to her that i need to look at it and that's when I started my walk with faith. That was back in 1993. 
And you have children? How many children do you have? We have four children and six grandchildren. Uh, it's two girls and two boys. The girls, uh, one's in Virginia, one's here with us in Prairie. And then uh, one of our boys uh, is in the service right now. And then the youngest one just got uh, engaged yesterday. He's starting um, his master's degree in biblical exegesis coming up here in the fall. Well, congratulations. Adding to the family. I'm telling you, I look back. So when I turned 18 years old, this is how much of a goofball I was. I dropped out of high school when I was 16 years old. Uh, I thought I knew everything, just like every other 16-year-old does. I've been supporting myself since then. I joined the Navy at 18, got a GED. I didn't get an undergraduate degree until I was 44 years old. It's wonderful how your family grows, your faith grows, your understanding of the world grows, and the longer you've, you've been in this moral coil, the more you really understand how things work and what a positive effect you can have if you really apply yourself. I, I see that more and more every day. So when we talk about uh, seeing the world and changing the way you see the world, you served 20 years as a Navy SEAL. You were combat deployed in five nations. Tell us a little bit about those experiences. Um, I did 26 years in the military, over 21 of those as a Navy SEAL. I, uh, out of those 21 years, I spent about 16 years away from home. That's uh, training and deployed. I deployed uh, eight times for six months or longer, and five of those were to combat. Um, I've lived and worked on five of the seven continents. My first combat tour was in Bosnia-Herzegovina when I was 26 years old, and then I went to Afghanistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, and uh, back to Iraq and Horn of Africa and all over the place. Uh, it's very interesting work. Um, our nation now, we seem to be thank god pulling back from these uh, forever wars but when your country requires your service that's what you do and a navy seals natural environment is combat so you should if you're in that position or the men and women that are serving now in the military they should be striving every single day to go to combat to help protect our nation um, it's not it's not for everybody. That's just the way it is. But if it is for you, you're capable of accomplishing those tasks, and you've taken it upon yourself to volunteer to be in the military, you should be focusing as much as you can um, to do the best that you can everywhere. I, I did this interview. It was fascinating with these guys over at Amman, Jordan. There's like 30 sailors. We did a Zoom call just to talk about leadership and how things have changed and what they haven't, how they've not changed. These are all folks that are prepping to go into the sandbox, we call it, um, to move even even farther forward. And it was really interesting to see these younger sailors now. Uh, they remind me of when I was that age, but they have kind of a different uh, view on life because they joined the military in a time of war. I joined the military in a time of peace. Uh, so they were much more I think, apt to understand exactly what the heck they're getting into than I was at that time in 1988. Well, we can't thank you enough for your service. I'm interested to know your take on uh, President Biden's stance on bringing our troops home, bringing them home from Afghanistan, particularly on 9-11. Right. Well, I wish he would have stuck to President Trump's plan because they'd be home already. Um, uh, For some reason, he extended to September 11th, and I think that is is possibly the most tone-deaf foreign policy maneuver a president of the united states has ever done that is foolish in my opinion what what these people don't understand and they're kind of doing the obama 2.0 here for an administration they have this uh sense of cultural hubris that they're uh, they're approaching the world in this particular case um 
the, Af- the Afghans thinking that they think like Americans. Well, well, they don't because they're a different culture. There's, I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just a different culture. So when you, for instance, withdraw from a country that you invaded because of something that happened on September 11th, that will be a calendar day that will make that a holiday in the Islamic world, mm-hmm. particularly with uh, Islamic extremists. In perpetuity, it's absolutely foolish, and I hope the Biden administration comes to their senses and either does this before or after September 11th. That's a horrible idea. So 26 years yes, serving your country, and now uh, you've made one run for Congress. Why Why are you running for Congress? What's the What's the drive? Well, the initial drive was Ron Kine voted for the impeachment of President uh, Donald Trump after this Russia fiasco. It's absolutely foolish. And now it's coming out. I don't see any retractions from the New York Times. Oh, by the way, we lied to you for two and a half years. But that was the line in the sand for me. We wasted over two years of President Trump's uh, uh, first term in office uh, chasing this Russia scam. And that's we can't do that. Um, And and I lost by two points, about 11,000 votes. Uh, And now everything we've said to everybody for that initial run is coming home in spades the slow walk to socialism we were on has become a hundred yard dash and i'm calling this the 2021 i told you so tour because if you look at what the democrat party with this it's a radical leftist one party rule what they're doing to the united states now uh, if they continue in this vein we won't be able to recognize our country in five years so i'm not giving up the ship we cannot uh you this is a very interesting concept, but you, you win every fight you never get into. And the Democrat Party now is trying to get people on the right so discouraged that they won't fight back. And so what do you say to somebody – I hear this a lot. I'm not going to vote. It's a waste of time to vote. The Democrats are stealing elections. So you win every fight you don't get into. And how you do that without – how you are victorious without engaging in an actual uh, – battle is you get the person so demoralized or discouraged they won't fight back and if you're really good at it which the left is fantastic at this you get them so demoralized they won't even defend themselves so we are falling some of our people are falling into that trap right into the left trap they're saying we can't win i'm out that's not true it's fundamentally not true and i will give you an example could you anyone here imagine AOC saying, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country? It would never happen. Okay. Who said that? John, John Kennedy. Kennedy. John Kennedy, who was a Republican. No. John Kennedy was a Democrat. So in the 60s, the radical left of the Democrat Party got a hold of that party, and they changed it from inside out. They went from John F. Kennedy to AOC in about 50-some years. So don't tell me we can't do the same thing. The human physical uh, infrastructure and the communications architecture that's in place for the Republican Party is been in place for decades now. We can't replicate that in a two-year or four-year cycle. So we just need to do what the left did to the Democrat Party, but from the inside of the Republican Party. Ten years ago was the Tea Party. Gave us Senator Ron Johnson, who's a fantastic guy. Right now we have all these groups called the Patriot Party. And I'm telling you, the Patriot Party is the 21st century Tea Party. Absolutely. I'm so proud of these guys. We go and talk to them, and they're fired up. They want to take part in their country. So don't be discouraged. Don't fall prey to what the left is trying to do to us. Band together. uh, Figure out how you want the country to look, and then make sure that we uh, work together to make that vision come to fruition. 
So Democrats and liberals consistently say that deficits don't matter. What do you say to that? I, I say that the people that are in office right now, uh, and there's a lot of Republicans there also, really have never lived with a budget. They haven't. When I was in the military, I managed uh, budgets of millions and millions of dollars. I did it. Uh, I expended every taxpayer's dollar judiciously as if it were my own. Because, in fact, in one way or another, it sort of is. Sarah Jane and I live on my uh, enlisted retirement. That's what we do. We have zero consumer debt. The only real debt that we have is the mortgage on our house because we live within our means. We mm-hmm. raised four children on one income. So it can and it should be done. When you're in the government, this is what's so – people don't understand if, when they're in the, if they're not in the government. If you make a mistake, you're like, oh, geez, I – I didn't budget properly for an extra $5 million. You write a piece of paper and they go, okay, here's $5 million. Where did that come from? So if you wrote a budget for your house and you're $50,000 off, where would you get $50,000 from? You're out of a house. My credit cards? I don't don't know. (laughs) Exactly. Switching subjects here to what's happening at the Mexican border, Mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted to make note of is uh, I once had the pleasure of meeting David Shippers, who was a Democrat attorney from Chicago. He was the the, uh, counsel for the House Republicans in the Clinton impeachment trial. And uh, I actually got uh, one of his books that he wrote that was signed, and people today think that the impeachment of Clinton was about sex. But one of the very serious charges there was that he and his administration were allowing hundreds of thousands of people to come across the Mexican border. There were tens of thousands of felons that had committed various serious crimes. And that was actually one of the serious allegations against him because it it, it really went to they were trying to swing the election for Gore uh, when he ran against Bush. And isn't that part of what's happening right now with letting these hundreds of thousands of people come across the Mexican border? Aren't Democrats trying to secure uh, election majorities for decades to come? That can be very reasonably argued. It absolutely can. What's taking place on the border right now is can only be described as a humanitarian crisis. And it is a humanitarian crisis that has been created by poor public policy. That's really what this is. So there was 173,000 apprehensions at the border in April. 173,000. That is two and a half times the size of Eau Claire. So imagine the city of Eau Claire, two and a half times every month, people being apprehended. And they don't, they don't just like, okay, tag, you're it. No, they pull those people in, then they have to process it process them and then here's the part that people don't understand they're being released into the nation so you've got essentially two and a half times the city of eau claire being released into the nation every month with no background checks no understanding of who these people are completely unsustainable and here's what's interesting there's something called a motion to to recommit that's when a bill comes up in Congress, they're like, hey, I think this is a good idea, right? The, the impetus of a law. It's, I'm just a bill. I'm still only a bill sitting here on Capitol Hill. Remember Schoolhouse Rock? Right. Yes, yeah. he does. Right. Okay, so just think of that, right? So Are you going to sing it for us? Oh, I will. All right. Um, here's, so you got this bill, and then it goes to these committees, and people say, well, I think this should change or that should change. Little bits of this. One of this came up, and it was uh, we th- the Republicans put it up saying, hey, look, we think that if we apprehend people who have entered the country illegally – that we're going to make sure that they test negative for COVID-19 before they're released into the nation. That's on a bus or on a plane because they're doing both, right? 
Guess who voted against that? Every Democrat, including your own Ron Kine. So Congressman Ron Kine voted against ensuring that people who have entered the nation illegally test negative for COVID-19 before they're released randomly throughout the country. Now, Ron does a very good job with public health stuff. He wants everyone to wear a mask and get your shot and all that stuff. That's fantastic. However, um, you know, logic starts at A and ends at Z. It doesn't go from A to aardvark. It does not. So if you're logically going to approach a problem set, which is public health, I would think that you'd want people who are coming from countries where the pandemic is still raging, South and Central America, that you would want them to test negative for COVID-19 before they're randomly released throughout the nation. Ron Kine voted against that, and I'm not sure why. So bringing this conversation closer to home, last week Fox News was reporting that our Congressman Ron Kind is leasing space to the sunny Asian massage parlor on Pearl Street here in La Crosse. And uh, local media immediately rushed to the congressman's defense, uh, making claims of racism against Asians. And so my question to you is, isn't this just politics? Why why is this being brought up? You made a statement about it. Uh, what have you got to say about why this is important for people to understand? Well, here's what we know for sure that is public record and that has been verified by Ron Kind or several other news sources. Uh, first and foremost, Ron Kind is a 24-year Democrat incumbent congressman whose hometown is La Crosse, Wisconsin. Ron Kind owns a building on Pearl Street in La Crosse. Ron has been renting out space to Asian Sunny Massage Parlor in this building who has been uh, they've been identified as advertising on websites that promote illicit sex. And Google does not put your ad on those websites. And apparently they even took one of those ads off there and stuck it on their Facebook page. It was removed immediately after the story broke. Those are all facts. Now, is this massage parlor in Lacrosse? Uh, are they part of uh, – human sex trafficking. I have no idea, and no one has come out and said that they have. So I'm not saying that this particular massage parlor in La Crosse, Wisconsin, is involved in human sex trafficking. However, I am saying this, that these types of establishments have been proven by law enforcement to be part of human sex trafficking. And there's two places, unfortunately, where these young boys and, and girls wind up when they're sex trafficked. That's in massage parlors such as this. Again, I'm not saying that this one's involved in this. And they also wind up in these crack house bordellos. And it's, it's a travesty. This is 21st century slavery, and we have to work together to stop this. Ron Kine is exceptionally proud to tell everybody he was a special prosecutor. But as a special prosecutor not to understand that this type of establishment is a terminus for trafficked individuals would mean that, one, he's a horrible uh, prosecutor or he's turning a blind eye to something. Because Oh, sorry, the other fact is we absolutely know, because he filed his federal um, campaign finance paperwork, that he's, he has uh, benefited financially from renting to a massage parlor in La Crosse, Wisconsin, his hometown, who has been advertising on websites that are known by law enforcement to encourage illicit sex. That's what we know about this. And why is it so important? Because, as I said, this is 21st century slavery. 
we have to stop this. I mean, we are better than this as a nation. And I would be more than happy to work with Ron Kine to get this stopped. And a responsible sitting United States congressman, when he was made aware of this, should have said, I'm going to look into this. I'm going to work with law enforcement. I'm going to call the owner of this shop. But when Ron Kind, he, this was brought to his attention, we were asked for a comment. And I made a very, uh, just a very serious comment. This needs to be looked into. He, he immediately jumped into calling me a racist, which, which tells you a couple things. Number one, um, he is essentially the fifth beetle for the squad because he went full AOC out of the gate. And that means he's trying to deflect attention from something that he knows is politically devastating. Well, and it's a conversation stop. Well, that's so let me be super clear with everybody listening to this. That does not stop the conversation with me. I will not be genuflecting uh, in front of the altar of the woke. I'm not afraid of these people. I have, I have never, uh, I have never been accused of the things that I've been accused of in my entire life except for by this Ron Kahn guy. So what he's trying to do is to make people think of this in the context of a story about me. This is not a story about me. This is a story about a sitting United States congressman who owns a building that is rented for years now, office space, to a massage parlor that has been advertising on websites that are known by law enforcement to promote illicit sex. That's the story. People should be asking Ron Kind these questions. Why have you not spoken to the owner of the business? Uh, did you understand that this was a massage parlor? Do you understand that these type of massage parlors are involved in human sex trafficking? Those are questions that should be asked of Ron Kind. And when he throws up, you know, the rock, paper, racist card, that means that he is hiding something. So once again, lacrosse area media is not reporting on this story. And fact check is your dependable source of information and reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Derek Van Orden, where can people go to learn more about you and your campaign? Uh, they can go to vanordenforcongress.com or at Derek Van Orden on Facebook and Twitter. Well, it's been a pleasure having you join us today and hearing more about your thoughts on what's happening regionally, uh, statewide, and nationally. Again, retired Navy SEAL, senior chief and small business owner, current Republican candidate for the 3rd District, Derek Van Orden. You'll come back and chat with us again? Absolutely. Thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. Certainly. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this has been another episode of Fact Check. Share your thoughts on this conversation and other important issues affecting the lacrosse area, the state of Wisconsin, and occasionally some national politics as it relates to us. We encourage you to share those thoughts on the Facebook group Fact Check Wisdom. Thanks for listening to Fact Check. Subscribe to this podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can listen at WIZMnews.com.